Let's go to the Dude Maker Hotline. Say hello to our political affairs correspondent, Magdalene Rose, who is on the, the line here. There was a sort of a kind of a, was this a debate last night that CNN had or just a forum and only Vivek Ramaswamy so, showed up to it? Hey, Magdalene, good morning. Good morning. So what was this thing that Vivek got yelled at by the woman who was hosting it on CNN last night? He had a town hall, so it wasn't a debate. He had one, DeSantis had one either uh, night before last or so. And what CNN is trying to do is bring back this idea of town halls. Because in 2016, Trump, even though he did the televised ones, he sort of stopped the trend of them in the early primary states. So Vivek did did this town hall, and I think what he's trying to do is show himself as a serious candidate that's in contention. He had a couple good moments, but one of the big questions is, how does his Hindu faith play into running for president? He tried to tackle that. But I just don't see how this set him apart. And the same thing with DeSantis. If you're going on CNN as a Republican, you're trying to win over some independents, maybe. And at this point, I don't see how independent, trying to win over independents helps you in a primary process. Uh, it, the only soundbite that we got out of the Ramaswamy CNN town hall it's not even worthy. To, you can't even play it. There's no sense in playing it because it's this woman yelling at Vivek as he's trying to answer a question. And Maggie, can you just play a snippet of it for the audience? I'm sure Magdalene saw it, so she knows. But but folks, does this sound like a town hall? Does this sound like a free-for-all? Listen. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say how many So you're saying were. that there's no that you have not seen evi- any evidence. So that we've there seen were, multiple. And so we've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people. Were, we know people were FBI informants who were asking. Is there you, any evidence? May I just finish this and can come back to question? Well, let me clarify. I know it's very uncomfortable for you. I'm going to clarify my question because people, but you, we have to do the truth. Here. I'm going to clarify my question because I want to make sure that you understand oh, what I'm oh, asking. I, I understand this deeply. And I told you I was where working three years the, ago. I'm where not there now. Where is the evidence? Yes. Where is the evidence that the government had a plot? An inside job. But no, I'm going to tell you what an inside job is because I'm not going to. I'm not violence on January 6th. I'm not going to let you put words in my mouth. I'm going to put my words in my mouth. And I'm going to tell you what what I mean by that. Where is the evidence that the government was involved in planning or executing January 6th? I'm going to give you you hard facts. And and if I may, Abby, I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but we're going to to go through this and you can can push back on it after evidence, And you can push back on that. And let's do this fairly. Why did they suppress footage of now what's been released, 200 hours of footage of shooting rubber bullets into that crowd, shooting tear gas into that crowd. You didn't see that before. You saw what the response was to that. Uh, now you see footage Ms. coming out of actually rolling out the red carpet for Capitol Mr. Police allowing Mr. Ramaswamy, in again, right through the front the vast door. majority I mean, of that footage evidence should have been released shows, before, Abby. Mr. Ramaswamy, the vast majority been released of the before. footage shows and my police officers being overrun and, and I want to talk about one more by case. violent really rioters. That's yeah, I'm going to hard, I'm gonna give you some hard facts. Of it shows. So what, here's what entrapment is. I'm not This is a Mr. Ramaswamy, you know, she sounds like the, uh, she, the, she sounds like the uh, uh, Iowa high school teacher in the 2004 <laughs> debate with Alan Keyes, and I can't remember the other words, Mr. Keyes, please, Mr. Keyes, please, Mr. Keyes, shut up! Thank you. <laughs> 
just, just uh, the screaming or the shouting and the Mr. Ramaswamy, there is. Um, yes, there is. Yes, there is. But look, I, I, I wasn't expecting that a debate over who's going to be the, um, the the Republican nominee would even devolve into a question about January the 6th. The hell does that have to do with anything? Well, I think a lot of Republicans are still really angry about it. One of the problems that Republican primary candidates have right now, including Donald Trump, is that there's a vast majority of Republicans in the base, what I call dependable Republicans, that have questions about it, that want to know if you as president will pursue the truth in it. Ah. And Republican candidates don't want to talk about it. There is this idea within the Republican Party voter bloc that we can just expose the truth about everything. And if we do that, it will drain the deep state and it will show that we can be an uncorrupt country. So January 6th has sort of become a marker in terms of their response to it of, will you end the deep state? Will you drain the swamp? So Vivek is trying to showcase himself as somebody who will do that. I don't think he's trying to be president so much as he's trying to be somebody in Trump's cabinet or on a short list for a VP spot, something like that. But he's trying to get those people who want to see the the corruption drained and Hunter Biden held accountable, all of that. He's trying to get them on his side because they're not on Nikki Haley's side. They're definitely not on Chris Christie, and only a little bit of them are on DeSantis' team. So did Nikki Haley have uh, one of these town halls? I, did, uh, uh, I didn't see the only, just, uh, uh, the Rammy Swammy's uh, uh, one is the only one that I saw. No, she was in New Hampshire. She was with the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, getting endorsed. These are town halls, I think, just recently, have just been DeSantis and Vivek, and, I, and Nikki Haley's been focused more on local media and trying to get those early primary states to like her than she has <laughs> been on CNN, even though CNN seems oddly complimentary of her lately. Uh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> I can never figure this out. You know, uh, if uh, if Nikki Haley is jockeying, if you will, to try to be Trump's uh, Trump's running mate, which I don't think, if there's one thing about Trump that we know, and it's not that he's politically savvy, because he's not. Uh, he has people that he pays to be politically savvy on his behalf. But if there's one thing that we know uh, about Donald Trump, and that is, dude, burn me once, that's on me. Burn yeah. me twice, that's on you. Burn me twice, that's on me. He is not going to get torched by Nikki Haley. There's no yeah. way. And besides... Melania probably despises her. There's no way she's getting within a thousand yards of that nomination. So why is Sheldon Adelson and APAC throwing money at Nikki Haley? Is the Biden is there someone in the Biden regime telling them, look, don't worry, he's gonna be in jail. He's not gonna be able to run. We're gonna get we're gonna get it at the convention. We're gonna steal the nomination from him at the convention, which I would think, you know, if that's Rona McDaniel's grand plan, that is the most foolhardy, stupid thing this party could ever do because all it's gonna happen, and I guarantee you that President Trump has lawyers in all fifty states that have the paperwork ready to file on behalf of the MAGA party. There is this, it doesn't matter how you slice this, the stupid party just becomes more stupid by the day. They do. And I don't think it's necessarily Melania, because I think she's pretty much checked out of this whole process and doesn't really care anymore. Seems like it. But if you look at Nikki Haley's policy platform, I mean, there is not a person on that debate stage who is less inclined towards hard right or MAGA policies than Nikki Haley is. 
So it's it's this odd delusion I think a lot of Republicans are carrying that she somehow fits ideologically within the, the Trump orbit enough to be vice president. Unless Donald Trump is simply trying to keep the establishment coalition together. Because although he has control of a huge portion of the Republican Party, there are establishment forces that are tired of him, that want change, that want somebody more on their wavelength. So it could be that that is the agreement he's made. But on the flip side of that, someone like Nikki Haley is not going to be loyal to him. And from everybody I talk to, the number one thing is he wants somebody who is diehard loyal to him. That's not Nikki Haley. I don't know who that might be. Maybe Carrie Lake, even though I hope that doesn't happen. Ugh. But loyal, if loyalty is the number one credential, how did Nikki Haley pass the test? It, to me, it looks like Kristen Nunu and the governor of New Hampshire endorsed Nikki Haley because he doesn't want to risk the ire of Trump for endorsing DeSantis. Okay. Uh, have you heard that Dr. Ben Carson may be the yeah. guy? I have. I, I don't see how that's beneficial either. A VP is supposed to bring you something. And I and in recent years, we've gotten to this point of, well, we, who do we just like? Let's just make that person vice president. <laughs> but a vice president is supposed to deliver something. That's, that's why Reagan took uh, Bush 41. That's why that happens. And I don't see how Ben Carson delivers anything. Also, if you're Donald Trump and you're his age now and you don't necessarily have the energy that he had in 2016, I think he would even admit that privately, never publicly. You're going to need somebody who can campaign hard. And that's not Ben Carson. Ben Carson's heart might be in the right place. He might need it. But he's not somebody who's got the energy for that. He's going to need a crowd, a crowd raiser. He's going to need somebody who can get people on their feet. That's not Ben Carson. My fear is what's going to end up happening if it's not Nikki Haley is that Trump's going to pick somebody who does very well on MAGA Twitter and does very well on, on Fox News, but that independence loathes. And then we are back to square one. See, this is my fear, uh, Magdalene Rose, our political affairs correspondent. This is my uh, my thing about what you just said, uh, and I hope that that's not with the way this happens. Um the Fox News, um, uh, what is, uh, what's Charlie Kirk's outfit? It's uh, Turning Point USA. The Fox mm -hmm. News, TPUSA, the, the, the quote conservative uh, media, which is the conservative echo chamber. Those people don't have anywhere else to go. They're not going to go for Biden. The libertarians are going to nominate Austin Peterson or someone. Uh, RFK Jr. may be an outlet because he is now going, he, he realizes now, I don't know why he didn't see it before, that there's no way the Democrats are going to allow him to get within a million, <laughs> a million paces of that nomination or their convention. So he's going straight out third party now. Right now, uh, RFK Jr. is John Anderson in 1980. People think that RFK Jr. is is Perot, and that people are attracted to uh, are like, like people were attracted to Perot, which siphoned votes off supposedly from uh, Pappy Bush and gave uh, Bill Clinton the White House. I don't see that at all. I think that RFK uh, 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 Jr., if I had to pick between the successful businessman and the guy that's actually done the job, that sounds a lot like R uh, RFK Jr., or, or that sounds an awful lot like Donald Trump, and Donald Trump, I'm going to pick Trump. So I don't think that RFK Jr. is the threat that they uh, that they think he is. So where are those? My point is, where is the conservative echo chamber? Where's Charlie Kirk going to go? He's not going anywhere. He's not no, going he's anywhere. Not going he's going to vote for Trump. 
He is. But my fear with that is that he and those people are going to influence Trump into picking somebody as the vice president who delivers nothing. So if Trump is vice is, is the nominee and you have those people in the constant echo chamber pushing somebody, you're going to see someone like Carrie Lake on a short list. And we should be concerned about that. And you mentioned RFK Jr. And I agree. He's not Ross Perot. He's not a phenom. There's not this endless discussion of him. He's not even particularly new. The one thing, though, that Trump needs to be concerned about that Biden doesn't, or whoever the Democrats nominate when, when it comes to that point, is, is that RFK Jr. is very much anti-vaccine, an anti-vaccine mandate. It's, it's been his rallying cry for years. He right. has sort of a, a credential in it. And Trump has an issue with the fact that he has called himself the father of the vaccine. Yes, he does. He pushed a lot of this. Uh, You know, he can hate on DeSantis all he wants, but DeSantis was not president when that happened. DeSantis did not shut the country down. So when Trump is on that general election track, what does he do to get those voters who are knowledgeable, who saw their livelihoods destroyed because they wouldn't get the vaccine, whose children were not allowed to go to school, and all these things that they lost, and they sacrificed for their own health and their own principles, how does he get those people back? Because they have a champion in RFK Jr., and they haven't ever really, in in political history, had a champion in that way. I think Trump should be concerned about that, because these are people who genuinely believe and have a right to that Trump can't be trusted to support their own bodily autonomy against Big Pharma. Uh, yes, I, I, I agree that that is something that uh, people are probably not going to, especially the uh, those that are really com- uh, committed to it and never, which is a, a small but not insignificant portion of the population, those people that never uh, capitulated at all, no masks, no mandates, no nothing, mm-hmm. uh, those people, although I know some of them, and they are firmly back in, in Trump's corner just because that's the option that they have. Now, let's talk about Iowa. When, when is, what is the actual date for the uh, the Iowa caucus? Because we are now in the second week of December. It's, it's I, I want to say we're just one month out. We're four weeks away, aren't we? I believe so. It's in January. So it's probably the beginning. I think it's January 15th. So uh, here's the way that the, the, there's there's <laughs> I was asked back in 2012 uh, by the Sirius XM people if I wanted to go to the to Iowa, the Davenport or Des Moines or wherever for the Iowa caucus. And um, I was a um, I was a Ron Paul guy then at the time. And I was like, no, but I would like to go to New Hampshire. And I did. So I was in New Hampshire in 2012 when the uh, so who won uh, two, uh, 2012 was it it wasn't it, was it, it wasn't Huckabee it was, um, somebody didn't get the nomination I'm trying to remember oh, it was Michelle Bachman Michelle Bachman wins and then they they bring the primary to uh, to New Hampshire so I think Ron Paul comes in second or third in New Hampshire New Hampshire is a very interesting place if I were if I were you and I were going to assign you somewhere I wouldn't send you to Iowa I'd send you to New Hampshire mm-hmm. New Hampshire is retail diner counter retail door-to-door politicking 
It's as simple as that. Okay. You, if you want, if you want to get elected state representative in the great state of New Hampshire, you're probably going to have to. You better, you better learn how to walk, and you better be comfortable with it because you're probably going to have to go neighborhood to neighborhood, knock on doors, and actually meet your constituents because they only represent like I want to say it's 7,500 people per district in New Hampshire. It's very, very it's divided very well. They divide power very well in New Hampshire. So I just, what is your take on and he, I. I, I, I I don't have a lot to say about it because I don't know a lot about it. But what is your take on Governor Sununu endorsing Nikki Haley? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a surprise. And it's a surprise because he had been clearly leaning towards DeSantis. A few weeks ago, I saw him in the, in the interview saying he was you know, geared up and ready to, to support DeSantis in, in different ways. They had done joint events together. So it's odd. It's an odd move by Sununu because he's not come out against DeSantis. If he just endorsed Nikki Haley and then started condemning DeSantis, it would make sense. He must know something. Something was to happen between them and their, and their friendship or relationship. And yet that hasn't happened. I think Sununu is afraid that DeSantis has gone too much into the culture war issues. But again, it doesn't even track. In my mind, there's two possibilities. Either the establishment is so in for Nikki Haley and has all their money behind her that it's not worth endorsing anyone else because she has all of the cash lined up. Could be. Or Trump has her as a VP shortlist candidate. And Sununu does not want to get hammered in New Hampshire. He does not want to incur the, the wrath of Trump. Yes, Trump is put a few uh, <laughs> social posts up. But if Trump is angry at you, it's going to go a little further than a few truth social posts. So he endorsed Nikki Haley to please the MAGA world and the establishment world. But DeSantis got, he got beat here. This is a problem for him, and he really needs to figure out how to reboot. Well, it could be, look, uh, Sununu is not going to run for re-election. Besides the fact, uh, Sununu is not, very pop- is not as popular as his father was. As a matter of fact, if his name wasn't Sununu, he probably doesn't get elected. Uh, in New Hampshire, because you know his father Johnson, who knew was uh, chief of staff of George Pappy Bush, uh, was very popular governor uh, for a long time in New Hampshire. That Sununu name goes a long way. He's not running for re-election, so uh, this seems to me that I agree with you. He knows that the big money, mm-hmm. the Sheldon Adelson APAC money, the Steve Wynn or some of that money, is with Nikki Haley, and if she's able to pull it off then maybe he's her vice president choice. I, I just, <laughs> these guys to me, I mean, I don't know what, what, I don't know how they read tea leaves, but I'm just going to go back and I'm just going to agree, again, do, do not take this as a blanket endorsement. I'm just going to go back to what Megan Kelly said about a year and a half ago when she was, uh, oh, who was it that she was interviewing? And he goes, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be DeSantis, Trump, and she went, no, dude, you're just wrong. She goes, I've seen both of them walk into rooms. No, no. When Trump walks in a room, all the oxygen goes to him. And it doesn't matter who else is in the room. It, it just, it's irrelevant. It's going to be him. You might as well just, just, just stop prognosticating about it now. Um, so I don't know what to, what, 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 what the, the only thing I can think of, Magdalene, is that they're thinking that the Biden strategy, the, the deep state regime strategy, 
is that they are going to successfully win some uh, one of these court cases and that somehow, okay, there's two that are civil, so you ain't going to jail for that one. The only one they can actually throw him in jail for is, uh, is uh, okay, they could get him for the one, the federal one with Jack Smith. They could, could potentially uh, uh, throw him in jail. He'd never serve a day because the appeals would be immediate. So I, I, I don't know what they think is going to happen with these court cases. But this just shows to me the political class, Magdalene, unfortunately, they're just not very smart. They just aren't. They just, they're not. And this is what separates Trump from this, probably why I like him so much. He's shrewd. He actually lived a life and he had to compete with actual sharks and he beat them. And he, and he figured out how to beat them in more than one industry. He beat them in real estate. He beat them in, in casinos. He beat them in industry. And he beat them in, 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 in television and entertainment. The guy's just a winner. These guys think that, 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 the, uh, that the, the undercurrent, that, the, that, the, that the, the deep state black market can just pull magical things off for unqualified losers and that there's nothing someone like a Trump can do about it. I just, that's the only, to me, that's the only thing that makes any logical sense. And that's why someone like DeSantis or Nikki Haley, they need to focus less on the MAGA people. Because Donald Trump controls millions of people in a really powerful way. So trying to break that control, it's never going to happen. I don't understand why these two candidates continue to sort of kowtow to the hard right MAGA people. They hate you. They're never going to love you. Like, it's really not that complicated. <laughs> it's really just not. But let me stop so you right there. All right, let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you think that there are MAGA people that will, if Trump were to go, we had our disagreements, but at the end of the day, Governor DeSantis and I agree the best thing for America is I present to you my choice for Vice President Ron DeSantis. Do they forgive him? Do they go, do, 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 do the DeSantis people go Trump DeSantis? I think the DeSantis people go Trump DeSantis. And the Trump people just just believe Trump. It's not necessarily about forgiving DeSantis. It's that they just support Trump so much it extends to whatever he wants. He's created this lifestyle in the Republican Party in a lot of ways of, of difference that we had before. He has created a general way of being. I don't always like it in the young conservative world because I don't think it's particularly strong. But as long as he supports you, somehow you are infallible. Okay, I think that the smartest thing, that the smart money is Trump at this point, is Trump DeSantis. Vivek comes along, Commerce Secretary or something like that. I think Trump would ultimately throw him a bone. To me, and Donald Trump is nothing but shrewd and smart. To me, uh, the smart thing to do is was ultimately to bury the hatchet. And look, that virtually guarantees Ronald DeSantis, the nomination in 2028. That's almost a guarantee. That's a lock, almost a lock, unless he blows it and pisses Trump off during the four years, uh, provided that uh, Trump were to be elected. So to me, I would, uh, to me, the smartest play right now on the table with all the cards available is Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. It is the smartest play, but I wonder if Trump can check his ego enough to do it. True that. You know, with with Reagan picking Bush, Reagan did not like Bush. Nancy Reagan certainly did not like Bush. But he checked his ego because he wanted to win. 
and he wanted somebody who was going to be supportive of him and who had high name brand recognition. There were things that Bush Sr. checked off, and he checked his ego and he did it. The problem that Trump has is that he thinks he's all that matters in the Republican Party. And there's a sentiment that a lot of Republicans dislike that they owe their careers to Trump. DeSantis owes that first governor race to Trump, but he doesn't owe his, owe his congressional career to him. And a lot of Republicans look at this as the Republican Party did exist before you. Like, we were not losers. We <laughs> That's true. Presidents. That's right. We had more, more Republican presidents than Democrat presidents. We governed the nation. And I can tell you, a lot of young conservatives look at the numbers and they go, so we gave when Trump was elected the first time in 2016, we gave you the White House and the Senate and the House. By the time Trump had left, we had major deficits in the House and Senate and governorships. So there is frustration there. And picking DeSantis would help him. But I don't think he can check his ego. Also, you see the things that Trump says about Casey, DeSantis's wife. There is a level of vitriol that he has for DeSantis in this unloyal category that's going to be hard to overcome. Okay, I watched him two days ago, and I heard him again uh, yesterday. He is not calling him to sanctimonious anymore. Are you on the Daily Trump email, uh, the campaign list? Yes, and the the text messages. Okay, so I'm on the emails. And the countdown, uh, the the date certain the DeSantis had, the sanctimonies had to do such and such is gone. That email is stopped. To me, the process is already underway. But I have two final questions for you. Yes, yes, yes. I want to play this clip from, and I'm sure you've you sure you've heard it. I want to I want to play you this clip from uh, Maggie's trying to pull it up right now because we played it a couple of days ago from outgoing Republican and outgoing Speaker Kevin McCarthy, which. Uh, uh, was kind of shocking at the moment, but then I went, you know what? That's exactly what I would think that a snake like that would do. And this is the one where here, here, we'll, we'll listen in. This is what he said. I look over at the Democrats and they stand up. They look like America. We stand up. Mm-hmm. We look like the most restrictive country club in America. And I decide then either I am going to be the leader of a declining end of a party or I have to change the opportunity in this party. So I embrace in something else, okay? Since that time, we've elected the most women, Republicans, the most minority Republicans ever to the House. But to do so, I'm gonna have to ruffle feathers. So for a Republican woman or Republican minority to win, the, the November election is not their tough election, it's the primary. So what I do is I would engage in primaries. And I would help. And sometimes you lose, sometimes you have problems. I look over at the... Uh, He's saying he sabotaged good white candidates. Mm -hmm. This guy... Okay, again, the stupid party. Why didn't Ronan McDaniel come right out and and go like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. Where was the leadership in the party to completely and totally denounce this and to say that this kind of... We're going to kick this guy out of the party. It's never going to happen again. Well, honestly, this is something that the Trump orbit has done. I mean, I can tell you that if you are a young white conservative, and this is not just me, this is other, other conservatives like that, you were pushed aside in favor of young black conservatives during the Trump presidency. That happened. We all know about it. We all saw it. There were young white reporters and reporters and, and young conservatives who were not given opportunities because they were not diverse enough in the Trump administration. And there were people given opportunities who had no credentials, who had been liberal, who had been conservatives for 15 minutes because they looked better on photos. 
it happened. We all know it happened. And Trump and his people did it. And it was extraordinarily frustrating, I can tell you. Especially when you had these TPUSA groups and you had obvious efforts to make it look diverse. So this is not even just a Kevin McCarthy thing. This is a thing that young white conservatives dealt with for four straight years. And it came out of nowhere. You would not have thought Donald Trump was going to do that, but he did do it. And many of the minority voices who are young conservatives now, 15 minutes ago, were liberals and have no credentials and flip-flop on issues all the time because they were there because of a diversity factor. So I'm not even mad at Kevin McCarthy for this because this is what the Trump orbit did. The problem that Kevin McCarthy has is that it is unethical to become involved yep. in primary races, especially in the states you are not in. If you want to endorse someone in California, I could see that, you know, whatever, that's his state. But when you're playing in Texas and in New Hampshire and in Florida and all these places, what right does he have to do that? And that is something he should not have been allowed to do. It's unethical. But again, the Trump orbit started the diversity hiring in the GOP in a lot of ways. And it was extraordinarily frustrating and aggravating because we watched people in the young conservative world skyrocket to fame or to Fox News with no idea what they were doing. And you wonder why we haven't won the youth vote in a lot of ways. A lot of those leaders are there because they look better in photos in the Trump orbit mind than young white conservatives would. Can you give me a name? I'm not going to give you a name because I know lots of these people, but I will tell it to you privately. Okay. No, I'm, I'm curious of uh, who these, uh, uh, basically these affirmative action promotions were. Yeah, it, it, really, it really was that. And if you look at a lot of these, like the Black Caucus that came out and all of these things, the Hisp- young Hispanics for Trump, all of these groups, you cannot point to one impact that they made. And it's fine if you want to have a diverse field. In some ways, Kevin McCarthy in that first quote is right. We do look like the most restrictive country club in America. I don't disagree with him in that. But the effort to diversify it, the fact that we don't have real competency, it's not because of their race. It's because they were not conservative. They were people who suddenly liked Trump. And there is a difference between being a principled young conservative, like I have been since I was eight and other young conservatives I know, and someone who liked Trump. So it wasn't their race that made them incompetent. It was the fact that they were not conservatives. They were just pro-Trump. Well, look who populates the echo chamber media. It doesn't. It doesn't look like a country club. Those, especially the young ones that are populating the echo chamber media, does not look like a country club. But that is in a lot of ways due to the Trump orbit time. And, and that happened because there was a focus on that the same way Kim Kardashian was brought in, this obsession with Kanye West, a lot of that. And there was a frustration amongst young conservatives of all ethnicities, but who are actually conservatives and Christians. We were kept out of the Trump presidency in favor of sycophant. And it, it's a harsh reality, but it is why DeSantis has so much youth support in Iowa. So then it makes even more sense than uh, 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 for Trump to bury the hatchet with DeSantis. Okay, yeah. final uh, f- final question, and this is from the potluck category, and the answer is, no, seriously, Jill Biden's Christmas White House oh, is I a house it. of horrors. <laughs> it literally looks like something that Elizabeth Banks made for an, uh, for the uh, the latest sequel for the hung- uh, latest sequel for the Hunger Games. 
Who? I, I, I mean, <laughs> so you're, you're a young person. You see this. I mean, I oh. see this, and I go like, well, first of all, I don't see anything that's Christmassy here. It looks like an acid trip to me. It looks like Alice in freaking Wonderland um, met uh, Edward Scissorhands or something. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> these people are actually. I think. I think there may be some actual insanity. That is at 1600 yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue. It's terrible. I saw that video and I thought it was a spoof. I thought. That's yes, that's what I thought. I, I went, this is Saturday really Night Live. <laughs> I mean, you have the entirety of Hollywood open to you. You have the Rockettes. You have everybody in Hollywood wants to work with you. And the way it was filmed, this like strange, like, let me show you the White House kind of vibe. It was somehow, like, overtly colorful in the costumes and the tap dancing and everything, and yet completely unfestive. So I don't understand what Joe, Joe Biden was thinking here. I just wish it was a little more, I mean, not even Christmassy. I don't even expect that. I'm just holiday seasony and a little bit less like I felt like I was about to enter, like, some American Horror Story circus theme episode. <laughs> That if she just kept going, if the tour kept going, there was going to be a giant, ugly clown that was going to eat someone. I know. It's horrible. It reminds me of the American Horror Story Circus uh, season. It had that kind of creepy vibe. Uh, oh, gosh. It, it, folks, if you haven't seen it, somebody ran a video. This is really good. Oh. They ran 25 seconds of well, last year that Melania was there and 25 seconds. And down the same shot <laughs> down the corridor leading to the to down the West Wing corridor leading to the same room. And there is and, and, and you know, the lip, the lip tart left savage Melania. I'm going like, why? What, what, what exactly is wrong with her? Beautiful, very uh, simple and plain, but well lit, beautiful little trees, like Christmas trees lying in the hallway, and there's Melania dressed in a wonderful little long dress, and just walking her beautiful way down the hallway, and then opening the door, and voila, here's our beautiful Christmas room, and they run the same exact track from the same video that they just shot two days ago for Biden, and it, it literally looks like on the one side you have a Christmas story, and the other side you have the Hunger Games. <laughs> it, it, it does remind you of the Hunger Games. It looks like if the people from the Capitol and the Hunger it Games does. took that, that, over. District 12, it's right? very twisted. Yes, yeah. yes. It looks, like, it looks like that. It's not even Melania. I mean, Hillary Clinton, in her somewhat hateful way, had a more festive Christmas setup. In her somewhat so hateful way. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Biden White House in our District 12 Christmas. <laughs> District 12. All right, you can hear Magdalene uh, Rose's reports every day on our newscast here on the Crusade Channel and on the Rose Report show. Uh, Magdalene is uh, uh, trying to reach out to, and I assume at some point in time we'll make contact with January 6th political prisoner Owen Schroyer, who has a amazing story to tell. And as he was, he told mm-hmm. Tucker the other day, he knows Tucker. I don't even. I don't even know what they charged me with. He goes, we don't even know. We don't even yeah. know what I've been charged with. They won't tell us. It's so extraordinarily twisted. Well, it is. Uh, but somebody uh, at least intervened and went like, "Dude, you can't lock that kid up. Let him go. <laughs> just let him go. Say, say, make up whatever you want, but just let him out because they they did kind of they let him out. But he's got. A, he has a story to tell. Um, and uh, this is uh, uh, Vivek, Vivek could have told that woman last night on CNN. Okay, well, explain Owen Schroyer to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely people he can point out. 
And that's something that is very frustrating because everyone's like, Vivek is so very breaking all these glass ceilings and breaking the fourth wall. But is he really? Don't know. All right, Magdalene, uh, great report as always. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on with Rick Barrett this uh, weekend. It was uh, great to hear you two back uh, together again. Rick had a great debut show, and Magdalene was on it. You can catch that at crusademax.com if you missed it. All right, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You're welcome.